You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Hello, my name is Will. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I'm the youth pastor and the young adult pastor here, and uh, I love people. So if you don't know me, uh, I know, I should know, I should know most of you, um, but if I don't know you, uh, please come introduce yourself to me afterwards. I would love to get to know you. Uh, and if you have any senior high students, um, you know, we have youth on Thursdays. If you have, if you are a young adult, I was going to say if you have any young, well, yeah, that too. If you have any young adults, uh, we have young adults on Monday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, and it is an absolute honor and privilege to be up here sharing with you guys from the Word this morning. Uh, and we'll just get right to it. I'm going to get those uh, pre-service jitters out and get right into it. Um, but let's pray before I begin. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to, to ch- share from your word. God, I pray that you would speak through me, that you would use the words that I have prepared to resonate in our hearts and in our minds. Father, that we would be equipped, encouraged, and that we may leave here this morning full of faith and ready to face whatever we are dealing with with a fresh new perspective and a reminder of your faithfulness in our life. Thank you, God. Thank you for this time. Use my words. May it not fall on deaf ears. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, exciting days. Um, when we were talking about getting to speak, I knew kind of I wanted to talk, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to use a story of Jesus doing a miracle. We're talking about a year of miracles, and um, what better place to go to than Jesus's ministry. I mean, he's doing miracles left, right, and center. But you know what? I was reminded that, no, our direction that we're wanting is Old Testament miracles. So I flipped back to the Old Testament and had a few that I was bouncing around. And this miracle that I'll be sharing with you guys this morning, um, I think, is lined up for what I, I, I believe God has, has placed on my heart to, to share with you guys this morning. Um, and so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Daniel 3. Um, starting in 13, going to 30. So I'll share the story, and we'll get right into it. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Pause. There was a moment where he had to, he made an idol. He erected a massive uh, golden image, and everyone is supposed to worship that image. And if they didn't bow down and worship that image when the music was playing, they would die. So that, we're picking up right at that point. Okay. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zinc, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But if, even if he does not, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men who were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God, or the son of gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, and governors, royal advisors, crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their house be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Well, that is a miracle. For sure, that is a miracle. We are talking about a year of miracles. And in this month, we're looking at and reminding ourselves of our big God who does big miracles. And this fiery furnace is most certainly a big miracle. If you're like me, then seeing this in a logical way only just exemplifies how much of a miracle this actually is. Okay, just track with me for a second here. Let's think this through. Fire against humans. Fire always wins. Hands down, unless you got water, but we, they don't have water in this situation. We were taught from a young age, don't touch the fire. It's hot. It'll burn you. Okay, fire will always win against humans. The furnace was heated seven times hotter than normal. So already, you're, at, you're already at loss with the fire. Now just put it seven times hotter, even more at loss. And before they even went in, the guards carrying them were incinerated. Before they stepped in the fire, they just opened the door of the fire and they were incinerated. So I'm not sure if any of you guys are pyromaniacs here. Uh, in the first service, there's a few of them. Um, but here I am. I am a pyromaniac here. And one of my favorite things to do is get any fire that I'm working on, whether it be a wood stove, whether it be um, camping and whether it's a little fire that I just made with stuff that I have around me or it's my fire pit in the backyard, I want to make that fire as hot as humanly possible. Like, I used to put my fire pokers in it and try to melt the fire pokers. Like, I want to get this thing white hot, super duper hot. And so much, those of, you that py, those of you that are pyros in here will understand this component. It's the most satisfying thing when you throw, let's say, well, I'll 
economically friendly here, I'll, I'll say that. You throw a, a stick in the fire, and yeah, obviously we know sticks are going to catch on fire. But when it's so hot, within, as soon as the tip of that stick hits that fire, it goes into flames. You guys know I'm, the, yeah, maybe some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm just the only one. It's just so satisfying seeing stuff go into a really hot fire and just instantly combust. It is the coolest thing. You see, this is what I imagine the furnace actually being like. It's overheated so that when that door opens, boom, there's a burst of flames that engulf anyone near it. it that fire is just reaching for oxygen, so it just goes, whoom, and it would combust anyone near it. An interesting thing to know here is the guards walking them in died at that moment when the door was opened. Yet the three boys continued. Which tells me God was with them before they even stepped into the furnace, okay? That, like, for some reason in my mind, I think of this story and I think that God only shows up with them once they're in the fire. You know, like maybe it's because it's when the visual shows up. But it's evident that God was clearly with them before they were in the fire. It's deeply profound. It really is. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me when I read the whole story because you see God in the fire, but you can so easily not see him throughout the rest of the, the story, which I want to challenge. Um, let's take this a step further. This is a detail that I love. And at the end we read, no harm was done to their bodies. Their robes were not scorched. Not a hair on their head was singed, nor did they smell like smoke. Pause. If you're looking for a title of a message, I normally don't do titles uh, just because I never think about writing a title, but this one just came so easily, is avoid being crispy. Okay? Avoid being crispy. Back to the, what I was saying. They didn't even smell like smoke. Y'all, I own a smokeless fire pit, and even when I use that, I still smell like smoke. Like, how does that make any sense? These guys were in the middle of the fire, and yet when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. It's like God is saying, watch what I can do. I can save them from fire, but on top of that, they won't even have any evidence of being in a fire. I think God is making a clear point here. This event would have taken place roughly in the year 605 B.C., long time ago. But you see, we believe in a God who is the same then as he is today and will be tomorrow. So we can take heart in this nature of God, that, that he is the same for us today. He's not just doing things like that 605 B.C. He's doing things like that today for us and will be doing that tomorrow for us in the days to come. All too often I can feel like God will show up in the midst of my trial. But as we can see from the story, it's evident that God was with them the whole entire time. God's not just near to us when we're in the midst of our trials, but he's always with us. And guess what? These three boys, I'm calling Misha, Shadrach, and Abednego. I don't know if I said that backwards or not. My wife makes fun of me because I say it backwards. They knew that. They understood that, that God is with them always. Look at the way they responded with such confidence to King Nebuchadnezzar, with this assurance that they will not be dying from this fire. They knew with great assurance, dead or alive. Look, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us. 
But if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Pause. I get intimidated just talking to Lori Lynn, okay? I can't imagine talking to a king who is over a whole nation, which, if you remember what I read at the end, he says, if they don't abide by this new uh, decree, they will be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. Like, that's pretty extreme. Yet they respond with this assurance, flying right in the face of the desires that this king has. They knew. They knew that God was with them, for sure. It's important, it's important to realize this, that this isn't the first time these guys actually choose the, chose their own way over what the king had wanted. If you look back in Daniel 1, verse 11 to 16, they wanted their food instead of the food portions that were offered from the king's table. That's, what we, that's where we get the Daniel fast from, and we can read that. They stood up, and actually, they stood up to honor their food laws. The things that God had decreed for them and how they are to live, the way that they are supposed to live set apart, they stood up to honor those things. So much so that the guy that was giving them food was like, I can't, I can't tell the king that you don't want this. I'm going to die. Like, if I go against what he's asking, like, I'm, I'm going to, and Daniel's like, no, no, trust. Just, just tell him, we got it. We'll do a competition. Ten days down the road, we'll see who looks better, okay? Us or them. And guess what? They look better. So God is doing something. So they stood up to honor their food laws, continuing the practice of their obedience to God instead of folding to the pressures around them. From the text, we can see that God provides for them. His way ends up being the better way. Amen to that one. So in this, we see a small victory that I believe carries over into this buildup of the faith that the boys have. You know, as I was preparing and driving into church the other day, I was mulling over this and trying to just, I get a little flustered talking about miracles. I think it can be a, it can be a sensitive topic. It can be a kind of a, there's people that are, uh, have this faith and expectation for their need of a miracle. And there's other people who are like, you know what, you, A plus B equals C, this is how you get the miracle. And I just, I find this tension of like, I don't know what, I don't know how to teach on that. I don't know how to teach on something that is so up to God's control that I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I want to be very mindful. I want to be very pastoral in, in this um, message to not l- try to lay a foundation as to what is the means to a miracle because as we know, God is going to do whatever he so chooses. But then it was like all of a sudden, this like light bulb went off in my head. And this is what it was. Do we use the previous provisions in our life, small or large, to strengthen us in our times of trial, to help build our faith in believing God can do a miracle? I believe that the boys had these previous provisions where they became reminded of the reasons that God has asked his people to live in such a way, and in doing so, they were strengthened in their confidence with God. So I'm not saying these miracles or these these small things that take place in your life are gonna lead to a big thing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they had an ability, these boys had an ability to see God's hand in their life so that when the time of they need to remain faithful to God came flying in their face, they could stand with assurance that you know no matter what, my God won't fail me. He won't. We just sang it. He won't fail me. They knew that. They understood that because they saw God's moments all throughout their life of his faithfulness. 
And so I think it's a great reminder for us today. Are we aware of the blessings and provision that God is doing in our lives? So that when we are faced with a trial like this one, I don't know who's getting thrown into a furnace, or a doctor's diagnosis, or a tough financial statement, or maybe even a job termination. Whatever trial it is that seems like this is the end of the road for us, we can recall all the other times when God has been so faithful to us, which will help act as a faith booster, enabling us to believe for the most miraculous thing to take place. But if not, but if not, do we keep the faith and perspective like the boys do in this passage? That at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about living or dying. It's about remaining with God, nothing else. These boys understood that. And there are two points here that this morning that I, um, I think if we can remember to help us, we'll nurture our expectations and faith to see a year of miracles. And the two points to stirring up our faith is, one, remember God's faithfulness. Don't forget it. Remember it. We may feel weary or think that, you know, we're only skating through life by the, by the hair on our chins. But this isn't true of God's nature. Did these boys need to go into the furnace? Yeah, I, I believe they did need to go in. Was it a close call? No, clearly not since they had such assurance in their God and at the end there was no evidence they were actually even in the furnace. But here's the thing, God was glorified not just to anyone, not just to another villager, but he was glorified to a king over a whole nation. So the fruit of this miracle was a God revelation to someone in a position of influence. God knew what he was doing. He knew the impact that these boys' faithfulness would have on a whole nation. The fact that, that Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree that everyone must abide by the God of these boys. That's powerful. Hear this. This is a reminder from Paul in Romans 3.3 3 that says, uh, What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Hallelujah. That is, a, that is a hallelujah moment. The cross is proof of that statement alone. We are not worthy of what Jesus did on that cross. We're not. Yet out of his love and relentless pursuit of you and me, he chose to take the cross for us. How good is that to hear this morning that even in our unfaithfulness, we don't deserve this relationship that we have with God. We don't. But out of his faithfulness, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, he remains faithful. That is an amen moment right there. And so the second thing to, rem to, um, to remind ourselves to stir up our faith is their strength in numbers. These three Jewish boys remained faithful and they had each other around to help them keep the faith. I wonder if they were alone and this was the incident that took place. How courageous would they be feeling? How courageous could they be to stand up in the face of King Nebuchadnezzar when they're by themselves? These guys had one another to encourage each other, reminding them of their God, Yahweh, as the most important and reminding them to remain obedient to the one of the commandments, not bowing down to another God. They understood that, which brings me to what I think can be our greatest struggle in our walks. 
is I hate to say it, but I think we fight our battles alone sometimes. We may face a few trials and win by ourselves, but what we see, what we see here from the, from the three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is that they were together. They understood the power of unity. They had one another to remind each other in potential times of weakness how God is faithful time and time again. If we are not, or sorry, if we are to have a year of miracles, there are obstacles we must overcome. And I think there are some helpful tips we can take from this miracle that will help us in our lives keeping the faith and keep believing with this kind of assurance. So helpful tips. Keep people around who will encourage you and build up your faith. Like Aaron and Hur to Moses in Exodus 17, verse 12, they helped him keep his hands raised during a long battle. Every time his hands were up, Israel would be winning. Every time his hands were down, Israel would be losing. So they surrounded around him and supported his hands during the battle. Do we have people like that in our life? The other struggle we find ourselves is, is this complacency. We grow accustomed to a certain way of operating. Roll with the flow, you know, it just kind of, life's coming and going, and that's kind of what it feels like. And in this, we can forget, or we just aren't even mindful of God's blessings all around us, all throughout our lives. So the thing that I would say is count your blessings daily. Psalm 103, 2 says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not Daily practices of being mindful of God's goodness in your life will enable you and your faith to increase. Which pulls us out of our complacency as we see all that God is doing around our lives. When you take, back in 2019, we had that year of refresh, refresh and when Jay had these little thankful journals on the chairs every, every month. May that be a practice that we get back into. At the end of the day, we just count our blessings. At the end of the day, we thank God for his faithfulness, things that, things that we're thankful for. Imagine what that would do to your perception, how you see God throughout your day, throughout your life. You see, we're not just here for a history lesson with some observation. Firstly, because I'm most certainly not a history teacher. That's not my gifting. And secondly, we should be directed, thrusted toward Jesus in this story. As we read these stories and hear of miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus mustn't be forgotten about. You see, we as Christians can read this story and see Jesus in the midst as his fourth man in the fire. And this is not just a story of a miracle that happened, but it's actually a physical reminder to us as post-resurrection believers that like I said before God, like I said before, God is always with us. It's just a reminder that God is always with us. Jesus is always with us. This snapshot of the four beings in the furnace is our reminder today that even when we can't physically see him, he's right there with you and I. These boys value the relationship they had with the living God. We can have that same kind of confidence today through Jesus Christ. When we submit our lives and make him Lord of our lives, this way of living becomes something far greater than any social pressure, any social pressure that we end up following, or, or selfish desire we hunger for. A life submitted to Christ is the best thing we could ever do. Instead, a life with Jesus is full of miraculous moments, amen? As we live and walk in obedience to him, catch this, in John 15 he says this, remain in me, 
for from me you can do nothing. So as I close, church, let let me just remind us of the points I believe we need to be reminded of from this miracle that will help our faith grow not weary in trials, but instead flourish. First one is God's faithfulness is never changing. Second, there's strength in our numbers. Surround yourself with strong biblical community who are around yourself with people who are gonna encourage you along the way. Help remind you of the things that God is doing. Help shine some light on all the things that God is blessing you in. And lastly, remain connected to Jesus, unwavering in your willingness to live unwavering in your willingness to live as he desires us to live. May we not change. May we not, may we not change our way of living simply because the people around us, but may we stay headfast, stead strong on what Jesus is desiring for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray right now, Father, for everyone in this room, May we be mindful. May we examine our own hearts this morning. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't yet know you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that this would just be the start of a curiosity, of a fascination to want to enter into a relationship with you, Jesus. And those that have made that decision in, in this room, Father, I pray that I pray that we would live on fire for you. I pray that the fire that would be within us burns so brightly that there's no external factor that could snuff out that fire. And Jesus, I pray that we would not fold to the pressures of the way of the world around us, but Father, that we would be committed to being obedient to how you are wanting us to live. God, may we not forget your faithfulness and your hand over our life, Lord. As we are maybe faced with trials in our, in our days ahead, God, I pray that we would be expectant with assurance, great assurance that you are faithful. You will come through and you will do what only you can do. So Jesus, we thank you. Father, we ask that your will be done. May this be a reminder for us throughout our week to come back to you, count our blessings, see your goodness all throughout our days. Father, we love you. We thank you. Amen. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast.